Welcome to another episode from MOSA's Podcast Network, IPAs, uh, APIs over IPAs. We provide API analytics for API product managers and other API professionals. Joining me today is Phil Nash over at Twilio. He's one of the earliest developer experience professionals at the API First Pioneer, uh, Twilio, which focuses on communication, SMS, and now you're getting into video and a lot of other things. Super happy to have you here, Phil. It's so good to be here. Thank you for the uh, thank you for the invitation. Great to be here. I got I got to point out I uh, I'm sort of maybe one of the earliest developer experience professionals like still at Twilio, but like I joined in 2014 and we've been going since 2008. And some of the earliest hires were on the evangelism team, and uh, uh, and I'm just building. I get to build on top of a lot of the work they did in those first six years before I even got there. But uh, it's um it's a it's a pleasure to be as part of part of that and uh, and carry on that work and have done for yeah quite a while now. So. Definitely. And would love to hear a little bit more around that story on, I guess, really it was what, a couple hundred people when you joined then and, and was that journey like, you know, building out the developer evangelism team and up to what, 4,500 people now for Twilio or something? It is something like that. I think we probably just released bigger numbers recently, actually, but we'll stick with 4,500 for now. We just keep buying companies at the moment and that makes <laughs> the numbers go up fast. Um, yeah, like it's been an incredible uh, uh journey really when I joined Twilio I, I think it was about 300 people in the company when I joined uh, yeah in 2014 and um, uh, it was I mean it was the biggest company that I'd worked at at that time which is a weird thing for me I'd gone from a company of like an agency that had got never bigger than 50 people into this 300 person company it felt like a big place to me and uh, uh, and, and now that it's into the thousands it's uh, it's over overwhelming at times um, <laughs> But uh, I, I've always, um, it's, it's, it's been nice for me because I worked initially in the London office and now uh, I'm down in Australia um, and always sort of part of the kind of satellite teams, which has always felt like a bit, bit smaller, a bit more family for me. But it's always nice to, it's incredible to know that there's this huge sort of machine uh, behind me to, uh, to do all the work and, and produce what we, uh, the products we do. Um, so yeah, so when I joined um, the evangelism team, uh, was just in the process of actually uh, splitting into two teams, uh, which was the kind of the start of our uh, journey into building what we now call our like developer network team, which encompasses all sorts of um, facets of the, the developer kind of experience with Twilio uh, and the community experience of Twilio as well. Um, so at that time, we were just kind of considering what, what became our developer education team, which is a team solely focused on the documentation and, and platform for the documentation uh, and and building um, building that kind of thing into a uh, uh, in, into a practice that they could focus on. I think that's uh, and, and and yeah. So over the last seven years, the building Twilio and certainly building the experience of Twilio has been a, a case of more and more focus uh, of, of things. Uh, and so, like I said, like we've gone from yeah that that original evangelism team and then two two uh, guys split out from there to do the education team and built out the docs platform and um and, and since then they've built a game they've built twilio quest which is a uh, have you seen that like a, a i think so but sounds interesting yeah. <laughs> i want to check it out yes please do like it's a, it's um it's coming up to a, a fancy new release actually sometime soon but uh it's a it's a it's a it's a game it's a full 2d top-down kind of rpg adventure that also teaches you how to code and how to use the uh the the twilio apis as well as um kind of introductions to other programming languages at the moment 
uh, and we're just working on, or it's possible now to actually build your own levels for that as well. So we're hoping to see a lot more stuff coming out of that. Um, and so we built that, and then we have our, our sort of more community-focused team, which has kind of um, been in and out of things that used to handle social and things like that, but um, uh, now is, uh, is focused on like our forums and champions programs and things like that. Meanwhile, yeah, the evangelism team continues to try and go out to, um, you know, where developers are in the world um, or where they are online, I guess, uh, more likely in the last sort of 18 months uh, in order to, to take the word of Twilio to them, but also kind of bring that, that experience back. Um, and so, yeah, but in the meantime, of course, we've also grown enormous numbers of products. When I started, there was, there was voice, there was SMS, and uh, you could make phone calls from a browser um, and, uh, and, and, and mobile devices, um, uh, uh, mobile apps, sorry, rather than devices. Uh, and, and since then we've added, we've added chat and video and, um, uh, all sorts of other additions to that, that, um, has, yeah, spread, uh, the knowledge quite thin. And then of course, um, bought in other companies. So we bought in Authy and, and added like two-factor authentication and verification as a thing, um, uh, bought in more recently, uh, SendGrid and then Segment, and so I'm still catching up on, uh, I, I have no idea how you use segment yet, but uh, I'll get there. Uh, getting better at SendGrid though. Uh, email deliverability is, uh, is not uh, as easy as one might think when you just send <laughs> emails during the day. <laughs> um, so yeah, so there's, there's been a lot of that, but um, uh, the product, I think the, the nice thing is that uh, the product and everything at Twilio has always kind of remained developer first and, um, and, and that allows us to support and, and help developers along the way, all the, all the way through that from, yeah, seven years ago to, to today. No, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, acquiring all these different companies. We're a SendGrid customer. I think we're a Twilio customer to power some of our, of our uh, learning features. We're partnered with Segment. So uh, I guess really intertwined with Twilio over there. Seems that way. Yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's what we're trying to do is, I, I guess we're, we, we noticed that these things fit well together. And, and seg I think SendGrid is kind of fairly obvious that it's, it's a communications channel that we didn't have. Uh, and, and getting SendGrid involved was um, picking the best, the best company out there on the market that was doing it uh, to, to become part of Twilio. Um, but then segment might seem a little bit weird, but, um, but at the end of the day, behind all of the communications things is actually like customer journeys and, and, and customer data that you actually want to expose to the way that you then communicate with people. And so um, it's, uh, I think it's going to, it's, it's an exciting future for how that all ties together. Um, yeah. Has that made a uh, developer evangelism a challenge, you know, going from just talking about SMS and how to send a message versus now you got SendGrid, now you have all these different, um, I guess, ways about thinking about marketing to developers. And is it a common, you know, process or common language that you have, or is it up to each product or, or each area? That's a good question. Um, I think um, it's, become, it's become more difficult in sort of the elevator pitch. Uh, certainly, when uh, when you when you used to be able to say you can send and receive text messages, make or receive phone calls, go have at it. It's an API. Go uh, to to kind of this wide expanse of things um, that that you need longer elevators uh, for for that kind of thing. But uh, um, once you, I think um, <laughs> it's 
it's difficult to say like the 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 expense of the marketing team and, and getting the message out for this has been uh, has been an important part of it as well on the other hand uh, like we still um, are working to integrate uh, some of these purchases so uh, like segment for the most part continues to to look after itself and continue its own kind of uh, messaging and things out to, to people so that's been easier for now um, and uh, you know I think it'll be uh, interesting to look to Signal which is our conference in October um, for uh, for how that messaging kind of comes together because that's that's everything Twilio under one roof at that point and uh, and and we'll see some interesting things there I think nothing I can give away right now as far as I'm aware <laughs> And I would love to hear just more around how do you structure, you know, developer relations? We got so many different roles these days, developer advocate, developer experience, uh, developer relations itself. Uh, how is that structured at Twilio and what have you seen work well in terms of responsibilities? Yeah, um, that is a good question. And, and I will actually like uh, be upfront with you, like developer experience whilst, uh, well, step one step back actually i think developer experience is uh, important um to all of all of twilio right if if the api teams if the, the apis that we're producing aren't great for developers then that everything falls down on that uh and and everything else becomes sort of layers uh on top of that to to make life better easier for developers um but there is actually there is a developer experience team that is not within the developer relations team um in which they, uh, and this is what we call our teams, I guess, uh, but in which they are focused on um, making sure those APIs are indeed of a, a standard and consistent quality across the across the business. Now that there's so many parts of it, um, uh, so like I said, uh, like in the sort of developer relations side of things, we have this developer network team, which which deals with um, evangelism, as that kind of going out to communities and developers out there. Um, education building the docs platform and and Twilio Quest as a game. Uh, uh, the community is looking after the forum. Uh, we also have within there uh, we have an enterprise evangelism team, um, which is actually a, it's a relatively new addition to this. In which um, uh, we're taking kind of the the tactics and practices of of regular evangelism out in community events, but to um, to larger businesses. Uh, enterprises effectively to to take them through hackathons and 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 um, innovation kind of sessions, uh, and and give them the opportunity to, or give those businesses the opportunity to share a problem with their developers, um, have uh, that that you know hopefully communications uh, and the Twilio platform can help solve, have um, kind of Twilio experts on hand, but then just set them going for a day or two to try and uh, build their own solutions, uh, build their own yeah, solve their own problems. Uh, and uh, I think we find um, within uh, enterprise, that tends to be a place where developers maybe don't get that decision-making opportunity that often. Um, but when you put a problem in front of them uh, and a, a tight deadline and a, and, a, and a small team to work on it, um, they, uh, they, the developers have a great time kind of building and finding this out, even if it's their first experience with the API. Um, so that's what our kind of enterprise evangelism team does is, uh, is, is take Twilio out to, to those companies like that. And um, uh, it, like I said, it's that same kind of experience as regular in the community kind of thing, but moved to that um, uh, enterprise experience and makes, uh, it makes those developers a lot happier. It's, it's amazing. 
Um, what else do we have? We then look at the startups uh, team as well. That's, uh, you know, fostering those, those newer and smaller companies that, you know, where everybody in the team, everybody in the company could be a developer or is, a, is at least a builder, is somebody who's wanting to, to produce something in the world and, and the support and uh, um, uh, a little bit of funding, some credits go into the Twilio Startups program, uh, kind of helps them get off the ground. And that's, uh, that's great. So there's, <laughs> there's so many parts of this. Um, and, you know, uh, I've, I've been talking about and working on the, the Twilio CLI, for example, uh, and that, um, that itself as a product came out of uh, the developer education team. So the, the team working on the docs were just like, we, we think we should have this as well. Um, but that is now, I think that is taken, been taken over by a, a developer experience team, actually, which is good. Because um, uh, it's funny that some of these projects just came out of um, like people wanting them to exist in the world uh, and, uh, and then turning that into something that we can call uh, uh, GA generally available is, uh, is a, different, a different matter. It's not just a version one on an NPM module, uh, sadly, um, <laughs> when you want people to deal with it. So, um, so, so yeah, there are, there are those developer experience team things there and a developer interfaces team as well, which works on all the, the helper libraries and, the, and other kind of stuff like that. that um, I mean, the, the helper libraries themselves are written by a program that looks at our um, specs. Uh, but so the developer interfaces team deals with the bits around the edge of that and uh, as well as the, um, uh, as well as the program uh, outputting it as well. Uh, this is kind of, I think before like open API spec uh, library generators existed and we, we sat down and wrote our own against our own specifications. So, um, that's uh, that's got its um, that's got its uh, interesting things to deal with as well. It's a big Python program that uh, writes out all our libraries, so it uh, can be a pain if you want to change the JavaScript library and you have to change to Python writing JavaScript in order to fix it. But for the most part, it doesn't need that much fixing anymore. It just generates stuff, and that's nice. Uh, so yeah, there's lots there's lots of teams, there's lots of things going on that kind of specifically focus on this uh, this experience side of things. But um, uh, that structure is um, yeah, ever ever growing as we as we find other places to focus in on and uh, yeah. So, what motivated creating that uh, CLI and and how do you measure the experience of it? I mean, it's not like a, a web app where you can just install you know Amplitude or something in it. That's true. Um, so yeah, like um, like I said, the the CLI itself came out of a desire of the developer education team to to build. Uh, I think um, uh, one you know. As developers, we don't necessarily like to get away from the keyboard uh, that often, and, um, uh, and and so giving people an option to interact with their Twilio accounts that isn't just the um, isn't just through the the UI and the console uh, was one of the the plans there. But also the idea that maybe you can use this um, CLI as part of like a, a a build process or build pipeline as well. Um, those are the kind of two things that they wanted to to solve for. Um, and uh, you know they built that, and and some of the early ways they got feedback on it was actually um, was at the uh, at our Signal conference back in let's say twenty eighteen perhaps, where um, where we would take people off and have kind of proper user experience um, testing sessions with them, like sit them in front of a keyboard with the with the CLI and say with the early version of the CLI and say just go like try and achieve this with it, and how did you get on with that? Uh, so that was really good for early learning on that. Um, but then how you measure 
like a CLI usage after that. Um, it's it's kind of hard. You're right. You can't just whack analytics in it. Although I think we are working more on that. I, I mean, so a rough thing is, and CLI is published as both an NPM module and a package on Homebrew right now. Um, so we need we are trying to I think add more packaging options to that, so you don't have to have installed Node in order to run it on most systems. But um, we're getting to that. Uh, but like you know the npm installs is a is a is a blunt kind of tool to say are people using it are people getting involved in this um following that we are working on uh ways to work out if people are using it uh so um we've had to rearrange our um user agent strings for our uh, um our, our helper libraries so that they all kind of report a little bit more on kind of where they're being used uh which i think we we, we think is going to be really useful because um Ultimately, like the CLI is using the node package, uh, but all, you know, not all calls from the node package is obviously from the CLI. There's plenty of people who've installed the node, the Twilio node package elsewhere. So finding out which ones are coming from where and if that is uh, growing usage, that's going to be really interesting, but we haven't quite got there yet. Um, and then it turns out, uh, well, and then we have layers on top of that. There's plugins for the CLI, which um, some of which call the APIs, some of which don't need to. Uh, but being able to tell if the, the call came not just from the CLI, not from the node module, not from the CLI, but from a plugin that was on top of the CLI is also going to be part, in, uh, part of that as well. So <sighs> measuring, measuring this is, is ongoing, but we definitely know, uh, we know from kind of user interviews and talking to, to, to customers that um, people are using it and using it for um, uh, uh, various, various things. So we know that, we know that it is useful. Uh, at least we're, we're, we're pretty happy with that. Um, and yeah, like, so, I mean, I personally, I, I don't normally work on the core of the CLI myself, but, uh, but on one of the more, um, one of the bigger plugins, which is our, our um, serverless plugin, uh, serverless toolkit, we like to call it, mm -hmm. uh, which, um, so that one, uh, I have to step back again, right? Like one of the things we released at Twilio was a, was a, a light, kind of lightweight serverless platform as well, like Twilio functions and Twilio assets, which um, allow for people to just host JavaScript and then static assets in our infrastructure and use them like the functions, the JavaScript can be just called like an AWS Lambda, like a, a thing like that. Um, we decided that was uh, a good thing because um, this is another this is another developer experience thing, really, in that um, working with uh, webhooks, uh, whilst probably the simplest way you could deal with real time interactions with a, with a phone call, for example, was still like something that when you start developing and you want to do it on your own computer, suddenly make, becomes difficult. And we're like we've always um, pushed like tunneling things like ngrok to use uh, as part of that. Um, uh, to make that easier, but even then, people still find it harder. So if we 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 decided if you could just write JavaScript, write something in inside the Twilio console, and have that deal with your uh, incoming webhook, then that'd be easier. Uh, and of course, people wanted to do that, but then you find people wanting to, um, you know, turn that into a, a more uh, development focused thing. So our first version of that was literally a, a you know a text box with a bit of syntax highlighting and, and validation inside the console, but then you want to be able to um, deploy, uh, or sorry, source control that, and not just every time you save, you're redeploying something, you want to be able to source control and then set up other deployments. So um, 
so we built a second version of that, which had an API. Uh, and then meanwhile, myself and uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Dominic Kundal, um, had been working on various different tools that um, allowed you, Dominic had, had worked on a tool called, which was called Twilio Run, which allowed you to um, basically mimic the functions environment locally. So we'd gone all the way from, we need this remote environment that you can just <laughs> Uh, used on the console to, but I want to develop on my laptop, on my on my own laptop with that. So he built this, yeah, node wrapper for that. Um, he built that, and then I could never remember how to set up a project that would work with it. So I built a uh, a project generator for that, and that was the first two bits to it. Uh, we had an API, uh, and then then the serverless team added an API. So we added an API set to that. Twilio run be able became able to deploy it, and then we packaged it all up into a Twilio plugin, Twilio CLI plugin. And uh, and after all that, like I said, all of this is just, it becomes layers upon layers of like, what what are people doing right now? Where would people like to get to? And, and as we build the little tools for it, I think we do actually, we get to improve that experience. Um, but uh, I, I'm kind of, once again, I'm looking forward to uh, having a bit more data from, um, where those API calls are coming from to know like how much this is being used. Like I know some of our customers are definitely using these things, but um, particularly the, the service plugin, I've had to support them at times. Um, but uh, you know, sometimes there's a bug, obviously. Um, we, got, uh, we, got, we got an interesting bug uh, a few months ago, which was based on a what we now deem as a breaking change that happened in one of our dependencies, but not at a, uh, um, not at a major version, which, uh, it's caused us some problems. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> semantic versioning, everyone. It's a, it's a great thing. Um, it is, it is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, uh, um, so having supported those teams, uh, supported the, the teams that like this bug caused issues for, um, has, you know, I mean, I, I definitely know that people are using this and it's exciting to see that, um, but it's going to be exciting to see more data on it as well. Well, definitely. And I'm glad you brought up the user agent stream concept, which is always important to track you know, all the different SDKs and, and different plugins that are using these APIs and get that uses data. Um, you know, outside of that, you know, you talked about multiple different layers, you know, on top of the CLI, you know, what other things that people can be doing to their SDKs and different things using these APIs to get the right metrics and just make sure that they're able to, you know, figure out whether there's bugs or not, right? Sometimes it could be a single SDK or a single, you know, weird use case that you never saw before. Uh not quite sure what you mean by the question there. Can you go? Is there anything there? else in terms of best practices that uh, a customer could be doing or, or a developer platform that could be doing with their SDKs to you know, ensure they're robust and ensure they're, um, I guess, trackable? Right, I get you. Um, that's a good question. Like, uh, as you say, like, if, if you had a web application, you can just kind of stick some error tracking in there and things like that. But um, I... Uh, I don't think we have that kind of thing. We don't we don't phone home with the with our CLI um, for anything other than actual API calls. Um, not to say that we might not do that in the future. Like that kind of thing is interesting. But uh, I think if if, if if a bug occurs, if a if something goes wrong, then um, then the thing will stack trace on the uh, uh, on on the terminal. And I'm not sure that's a bad thing. Like when, when you consider it, we, we, the product is for developers, the CLI is for developers. 
uh, and and seeing a stack trace is hopefully understandable for that. Uh, and we encourage you know to to raise that as an issue uh, in the uh, in the repo. Um, and you know developers are for the most part very willing to raise issues and uh, and tell you what's wrong with a thing. Um, almost too willing at times. Uh, but <laughs> um, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see where we go with this. And, and as we put the CLI into the hands of a team that is dedicated to it and dedicated to improving uh, things like that. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm always wary of the idea of, of more tracking and things like that. Like uh, if, if there are CLIs where you have, you know, to pass a flag or a, or a command in order to turn off like kind of sharing that data. And maybe if you don't know about that command or flag, you've been sharing your usage of it without knowing about it. And that's, you know, potentially uh, privacy in, in encroaching. And, uh, and so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of that. Like even, even kind of tracking, I'm, I'm comfortable with the, with the user agent stuff because knowing like where something came from is, is a good thing, but, but any more than that, like looking after the usage is, um, it, it, it goes, it, there's, I think there's that line between like making a better product and, and just like encroaching on, on other people's work and, and their privacy and their data. So yeah, I, I, I don't want to see that much, much more, much more tracking like that. And I definitely want it, I'd prefer it to be opt-in rather than opt-out as well, but we'll see. And when it comes to, you know, tracking API calls or logging API calls, is there anything that you do to be privacy conscious and, and, you know, careful of your customer data. I'm sure, you know, some of that data is very sensitive in nature. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is communications data between, um, yeah, like businesses and their customers. And, uh, and, you know, sometimes that's, um, uh, but, but there's, there's, we have recommendations on, uh, you know, what data should and shouldn't be sent over the various channels. Uh, of course, you know, don't text in your credit card number. Uh, ever <laughs> it's not a good idea um but uh uh yeah we we do have like strong protections on on actually how that data is is kept and, and looked after within twilio uh, many parts of the the business are you know hipaa compliant now and uh, uh and, and there's a lot of work to uh deal with gdpr compliance back when that was uh was a, a huge lift for uh for the, the company at the time um I think one of the important things uh, here is actually that we are as open about that and about how we look after that data as we possibly can to the point that um, uh, it is within the doc. It's, it's, I think it's part of our API definitions and then that gets generated into our documentation to say which, um, which uh, properties on a, on, a, on a resource, for example, are, um, are deemed uh, personally identifiable information. And then how long we intend to keep that for, uh, and um, uh, you know when that's going to expire, when that's going to go out of the system, and that's so that's all in the docs. It's all uh, there, kind of at your fingertips as you're as you're looking through that kind of thing. So I think that's really important. And then um, uh, and yeah, so anything kind of going through the CLI is also is just calling those API endpoints. So um, uh, it is uh, handled yeah centrally uh, as, as far as I can. As far as I can tell, yeah. Definitely. And, and taking a step back and discussing more around developer experience, you know, what does developer empathy mean over at Twilio? 
And how does it, um, how is it used or how do you think about it across different functions, whether it's the developer experience team or as you mentioned, developer relations team and so on? Um, yeah, I mean, like I kind of said at the start, like everything on, in, in Twilio is developer focused because it has to be because they're, they're the first customer. Um, and so developer empathy is, um, well, we have a, a bunch of uh, company values at Twilio. And again, company values coming from a, a small companies um, before I joined Twilio to Twilio was um, something I'd never, never seen before, a list of company values. Uh, but one of them is uh, where the customer's shoes. Uh, uh, and um, and that's, that's really important to us because it's not, that's not just developer focused, of course, it's empathy for all of our customers, uh, including the fact that you know, increasingly we have people who are not developers signing up for Twilio accounts and trying to work out what they can do with uh, a, a platform that they're told is, uh, is really useful for communications. And so having um, empathy for that non-developer persona has also been really important. Um, but the empathy for, for developers is very much the way that we deal with our products uh, as developers ourselves, we try and use it ourselves. I think it's actually, it's really important and useful, I think, to the business to have the this developer network, developer relations team um, that is not working on the core products themselves, uh, but tends to be or can be like those first users of the products uh, and be that voice of the developer within the company, voice of the external developer, at least. Um, because we don't know how it's made. We just want to, we, we hear that we're building a cool new product and we want to hear that we want to experience that and, and use it ourselves. And, um, and so a lot of feedback, uh, early feedback, we, we can give like that. Um, and at the same time, like it comes from the top as well. Like Jeff Lawson, CEO is still a developer, is still, um, he uh, you know doesn't write production code for Twilio anymore that I'm aware of. Uh, but he is, uh, he's, he's always um, building with stuff. Uh, I think um, in the last year, he's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's been producing, um, I think uh, it was like a Zoom cube. It's a whole different set of buttons that you can press to, uh, to make different things in your video chat uh, occur. Turn yourself on and off mute and big button to hang up, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so it's good to see that like, you know, he uh, is finding time to, to continue to be a developer and a builder um, uh, and, and that kind of then filters down through the, the rest of the company uh, as well. Well, that's an interesting point. And, you know, speaking on, you know, both supporting customers and developers at the same time and, you know, wearing their hat or wearing their shoes, um, you know, nowadays developers are not a single persona, right? We have some folks who are expert developers. We also have folks who are, you know, just learning to code for the very first time or using maybe a no-code solution. How do you support all those different developers at the same time? That's it, 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 it's increasingly hard to do that, but you're right. Like we have a whole gamut, a whole range of, of um, developers using or trying to use the platform. Um, so yeah, we are, I think we actually are trying to support that from the ground up. Uh, I mentioned Twilio Quest earlier uh, and a lot of the actual, the Twilio Quest team are doing work to kind of get um, uh, add more kind of early stage how to develop content. Uh, I believe there's a there's a there's a lesson coming out on uh, on like working with APIs, like not specifically the Twilio API, but like what is an API and how to work with one um, as a, as a new lesson for the game. Uh, and we're trying to get this 
uh, trying to get Twilio Quest into um, universities starting in the US to try and um, help out uh, and teach people who are new to programming and, and need to get on board with that because it's, it's such a useful skill for almost any, uh, any role these days. So we're working from there. We also have um, done a lot of work in the last couple of years to produce kind of example or usable applications that people can build and install into their Twilio accounts without having to know what the code is, although there is sort of code behind it. Um, this, is, this is what we call the, the Twilio code exchange. Um, uh, well, the, the code exchange itself is kind of example projects, and then there are quick deploy apps within that, which is like a uh, you hit a button, um, fill in a couple of uh, details, and you now have a, a functional uh, Twilio application that you can go and use. Um, we've released a couple recently that have been around kind of uh, notifications and and um, information for for like vaccine hesitancy kind of stuff. As um, you know, Twilio has a bit of a, um, a a plan to try and help as many people get vaccinated as possible during this during this pandemic um and so like we have ex examples for that but like we have you know simple ones for like a one click just get a um a voicemail kind of thing going as well so um those kind of one click and and instant applications uh, quick deploy applications uh they're there for, I think, what we're calling sort of citizen developers, people who aren't necessarily professional developers, but want to want to achieve something. Uh, but the code is there behind it as well. And um, uh, and so if you do deploy it and you want to change it, you can get a developer involved and, uh, and update that. Uh, and then, right, uh, you mentioned low code tools. And we've we've had, um, I can't remember when it came out, but Twilio Studio has been um, that, that kind of uh, yeah, low code, I say, like, in order to do a few things, there's a, there's a couple of widgets within the drag and drop interface that can either call a Twilio function or send off an HTTP request. Um, but really, like that build, being able to build an entire communications flow in, in drag and drop is, uh, has been uh, enormously good for unlocking um, product managers and other things on, on customer side to, to achieve um, a lot of the not even just the basics, but a lot of the communication flow before having to get a developer involved. Uh, and that is really useful because, you know, as developers, we don't want to be doing the same thing over and over again. So just being able to um, build the interesting parts of those systems, I think has been has been really good too. Uh, but yeah, like we're also fully happy to support, um, you know, expert developers. Uh, and, you know, they're the ones that want the API references they want the the libraries and they want to be left uh, left to, to go about it as well and uh, and that's exciting um and you know that support and this is why i think we now have we've we've got a more focus on our um community team these days as well so we've we we have uh forums in beta which is kind of weird to think that Twilio is like a 13 14 year old company that hasn't really had a a forum uh, for the community uh, at least a first party one for for all that time i think we kind of have and haven't at different times but we're we've got a renewed focus on that so that uh, so that people can indeed come together help each other but also get a bit of help from from people at twilio uh, and then but we take that out as well like um uh you'll uh, rarely find i i plan for it rarely to be found find that a, a stack overflow question tag twilio doesn't have an answer from one of us as well so we want to yeah we're there to support people in wherever and however they want to build with uh, with Twilio and uh, those, yeah, I'm sure there's many more ways than that, but those are the ones that come to mind. Definitely. And uh, I love the one click, uh, 
you know, install or, or those type of, you know, installation processes. You know, the, the example, you know, batteries included, but optional, you know, you can modify as needed, but just get started as quick as possible. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned COVID and, and how you've been thinking about that. I'm just curious, uh, you know, how has, you know, DevRel changed since COVID hit, especially with, you know, events no longer you know, happening in person and you know, has it been accelerant? Has it been beneficial in a way uh, in terms of reaching developers? Uh, I, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the difference for me certainly has been I've been right here for a lot more, <laughs> a lot more of my time rather than uh, out and, and seeing people in person. And uh, I'm definitely, you know, we're, we're, I'm definitely uh, missing that kind of in-person um, talking to people and getting people excited about things. Um, but on the other hand, I think it actually has led to reaching a whole bunch of different people in different places as well. Uh, that the way that uh, events and meetups and other kind of um, uh, that those communities have kind of gone online has led to, you know, people from all over being able to, uh, to to take part in them, not just people who could uh, who live in the right place or can afford to get there at the right time. I think that's uh, that has democratized things a lot. Um, for developer uh, relations, uh, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult. I think um, I'm, I'm yet to to see I'm yet to see uh, an online event that has the same you know sponsor experience uh, as as, a, as an in person event. Um, and, and that's, I think that's understandable, you know, when you have, if you have a bunch of talks, um, and a, and a gap in the middle, uh, but people are at home watching it, they're, they're going to go make a cup of tea or coffee in that break. They're not going to go hang out at the virtual booths and that's fine. We have to, uh, work on, uh, better ways to in engage with people. Um, uh, and I think we, we still are, but you know, um, that's an ongoing, uh, thing to work on within, uh, within events as well. Um, well, that's that's a other... really good point, uh, yeah. just around the events and uh, the fact that, you know, it's hard to network, right? And, and going to a, a conference or something, you know, one of the easiest ways to meet new people is by, you know, going, hanging around the booths and, you know, the happy hours and all the other activities going on, the hackathons and such. Exactly. Uh, I, I do all my best work at the after party. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, right? So my last question is just around the future of APIs and DevRel. You know, what do you see next, and uh, where do you see APIs going? That, that's tough. Uh, I think um, there's a lot of. I think there's a bunch of within the bigger API companies. There's a lot of consolidation right now, and I, I obviously I'm saying that from a, a, the point of view of Twilio, where we buy in the occasional uh, uh, other API company. Um, but there's, there's a bit more of that going around. Um, but I feel like more recently, there's been a bunch of more, um, let's say, fundamental uh, tools being, uh, we're going back to basics, things like databases and, uh, and, and other connectivity, things like that, um, are, are new and exciting, um, which is sort of a surprise to me. But I guess um, there's, there's new and, and better fundamental technology that's, that's driving this. Um, though, of course, anybody trying to do a, a completely fundamental thing like like a database is fighting against, you know, your big three cloud operators regardless. So you really, I guess, have to have a, a very impressive um, uh, reason to, to exist. And, and so I'm excited to, I haven't managed to play with uh, many of them myself, but uh, excited to, to do so at some point.
What's the future for it though? I don't know. I think it's it's getting more difficult to enter the API space because there's so many things you kind of need to provide to bring that same experience that somebody who's been doing it for a decade or more uh, has. Um, of course, like there are open source tools that have come along with uh, this this kind of thing, which make it easier to get there. But there's a lot. There's just a lot to think about. Um, and uh, and one it's one thing. Um, that even we, I think, have shied away from is sort of providing um, UI kits to, to deal with that kind of thing as well. I think Stripe's very good at like providing actual UIs for, for things as well. But um, but being able to do that um, across not only um, you know browsers. Um, sorry, my dog just arrived home. <laughs> you can hear her in the background. Um, being able to uh, provide uh, UIs across not just browsers and, and JavaScript front ends and the kind of frameworks that are there, um, but then the native uh, API, no, sorry, native applications, and then their frameworks, and then their cross-platform frameworks, you know, your, your um, Flutter and, and, and React Native, that kind of thing. There's a lot to maybe produce when you when you come up the, uh, out with this. So. I, I kind of wish anyone well who's who's building new things in in API spaces because there's there's a lot to consider and a lot to think about. Um, even though, yeah, as as a developer, I think it's a, it's a wonderful time to be to be building products and building um, building applications because there's such a lot uh, a lot of tooling available to you to build the way you want to. Um, yeah, so as an API company, being able to provide. Being able to provide everything for those people is 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 kind of difficult, though. Indeed, there is a lot of tooling out there, and a lot of new API first or developer first companies coming about, and uh, but it requires a very critical skill set, right? So, um, well, thank you very much, Phil, for uh, joining us today on our podcast, and uh, looking forward to see what's next over at Twilio and over at uh, Signal. Thank you. Thank you very much. You have a good one.